the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What a pleasure it is for us to serve a God that loves us in spite of us. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, let's pick up in part two of our study in Acts chapter 16. David, as you know, was the greatest king that Israel ever had. He wrote most of the Psalms in the book of Psalms. And so he was the great king. But know this, the reason God was against marrying outside of the faith was for two main reasons, two main reasons. And if you're single here, you know, you need to really listen to these. Number one, the unbeliever. He's like, he does not want us to marry the unbeliever. Why? Because it will draw the believer away from the faith. Not every time, but most of the time. There's times that, you know, a believer will start dating a non-believer, which they're not supposed to do, which is against what God says. And every now and again, you know, that believer will have such an impact on the, uh, the believer will have such an impact on the non-believer that the non-believer comes to know Christ. But for every one of those that happens, there's 10 of them that don't. There's 10 of them that never come to know the Lord. And there's 10 of them that are drawn away from the Lord because of that. That's why God continued the same teaching in the New Testament. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, it says, Do not be bound with the unbeliever. Don't be bound together with an unbeliever. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? It's either the light's on or the light's off. I mean, there's no fellowship there. It's one or the other. And the second reason that we should not marry a non-believer, and, and because there will be major conflict in raising your children. For we are commanded in the Bible as believers to raise our children in the way of the Lord. We did a baby dedication this morning. One of the reasons we do those baby dedications is to pray that God would do a movement in this child's life so they grow up to know the Lord. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they won't depart from it. Now, why did Timothy's mother marry this Greek, this Gentile, and become unequally yoked? Why did she do that? I have no idea, and either does anybody else, because we're simply not told in the scripture, so we can only speculate. But one thing for sure, it was a major deal back in the day 2,000 years ago. You know, for a Jew to marry outside of their faith meant being cut off of their family completely. Maybe she went through a rebellious time as a teenager. That's totally possible. Maybe she hooked up with some smooth-talking trophy boy. 
And isn't that the way that it usually works? It's like, you know, a girl gets caught up with, you know, Mr. Stud Muffin. like, well, he's hot, you know, and that's it. It's just you're caught up with the cool guy. But every time that I do marriage counseling with someone who got caught up with the trophy boy, with the cool guy and all of that, those women hate them afterwards because they're the ones that don't get out there and work. They're the ones that don't get out there and supply the needs of the family. Or if they do become a good, you know, supplier for the family, they're a partier. They want to go out and they want to hang out with the guys. And this is my pool night. This is my bowling night. This is this night. This is the motocross night. This is whatever, you know. And it's like they're home alone raising these kids by themselves while, you know, party husband is out doing his own thing, going to the river, this and that and whatever. So it's like it drives these women crazy. So the very thing that attracts them to the trophy boy, the bad boy, call it whatever you want to call it, is in, it, it drives them crazy later. And it goes both ways. It isn't just the women, you know, going for the, you know, Mr. Stud Muffin. It's guys that are going for the hot chick. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, she's hot looking. I got to have her. And, and it's like, but is she a believer? No. And then it just drives them nuts. And there's a whole other set of problems there. Of course, you know, we don't know for sure what happened with Timothy's mother. We don't know. It's just speculation. Because, again, we're not told. Yet we do know this. Timothy was born into what would have made him a social outcast. His mother was a Jew. His father was a Gentile. Yet somewhere along the line, Eunice, Timothy's mother, came back into a real faith. So it happened after she hooked up with Timothy's father. She came back to a real faith. She became extremely devoted to the Lord and to the Old Testament scriptures. This was probably through her mother, who her name was Lois, who was grounded. She was a grounded, godly woman. Maybe she committed to praying for her daughter who ran off with Mr. Gentile or whatever. Maybe she never gave up on ministering to her daughter. Know this, God always hears mommy prayers. So if you're out there and you've got a wayward child, just know God always hears mommy prayers. And if you have a rebellious prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, don't you ever, ever give up on them. Continue to pray for them. Maybe for Eunice, once the honeymoon wore off with her Gentile husband, she came to her senses and really started listening to her godly mother. This was then passed down to young Timothy. And talking about Timothy's faith, listen to how the apostle Paul put it in 2 Timothy 1.5. He says, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you. So this is the apostle Paul talking to Timothy. He says, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that is it in you as well. Wow, what a great compliment. So Paul, the apostle Paul knew Lois, his grandmother, and knew his mother Eunice. And he must have sat and had meals with them and was at their house. And that's how he got to know Timothy in the first place. And it's like he knew that they had a real and a sincere faith. Yes, there was a true living faith that Lois, Timothy's grandmother, invested first in his mother Eunice and then into the very heart of Timothy himself. 
Yes, I wonder what it was like for Timothy growing up as a half-breed, you could say. He had no control over how he was born, just like none of us had any control on how we were born. He had no control over his circumstances, like I had no control of my parents getting divorced, and that basically destroying my life. But it was through that hardship that I put myself into, turning into a somewhat teenage alcoholic, a thief, a liar, uh, every kind of sin you could get involved with, getting a girl pregnant in high school, all of these disaster areas in my life. But those things is what led me to Christ because I messed my life up so bad. Yes, he wasn't, Timothy, getting back to Timothy, was not a full-blooded Greek, nor was he a full-blooded Jew. So the Greeks looked at him, and they looked down upon him. And again, he wasn't a full-blooded Jew. So the Jews, of course, would definitely have rejected him because he had been mixed with a Gentile. I also wonder what kind of a civil war there was in his own home. We know that by the time Timothy was born, his mother was focused on serving the Lord. We know this by the very fact that she chose to name her baby Timothy again, which means one who honors God. So there obviously had already been a turnaround in his mother's life at this point. This confirms where his mother's heart was. And between his mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois, they probably filled young Timothy's tender heart with all the Bible stories from all the heroes of the Bible. I'm sure they would sit down with him and share with him, you know, the stories of Moses and and Elijah and and David, the giant slayer, and and Daniel, you know, surviving the lion's den, and Joseph, and, and the many other stories. Yet his dad could have possibly been doing quite the opposite on the other end, telling him stories about Greek gods like Zeus and all the other that we read about in Greek mythology, if you had it like I had it going through junior high school. Maybe he heard war stories about Alexander the Great. I say this because I'm sure his mother would have wanted Timothy to be circumcised on the eighth day when he was born, like all little Jewish boys. Yet we know that when Timothy was traveling with Paul later in his life, that he was not circumcised. So his dad must have said, that's not going to happen. No can do. Are you doing that to my son? Yes, Timothy must have felt left out in many areas of his life. Yet with all of that said, one thing that we know for sure, Timothy... Timothy, obviously, you know, uh, you know, he gravitated to the teaching of the Old Testament scriptures. It was God's plan. And maybe through all of the hardships in his life, being kind of kicked away from this group of people, kicked away from that group of people, and being somewhat of that social outcast, it gave him more time to consider the one and only true God of heaven that did accept him, plus a heart for the outcast of society that he must have had himself. What a pleasure it is for us to serve a God that loves us in spite of us. Isn't that great? God loves us 
in spite of us. A God that doesn't look down on any nationality, doesn't look down on any race, doesn't look down on anyone for the color of their skin or the shape of their eyes. A God that doesn't look down on what side of the tracks you were born on. He just doesn't see any of that. Yes, we serve a God that is more concerned about what happens on us on the inside. I love that verse that's in 1 Samuel 16, 7. And it says this. He says, this is when the prophet Samuel was going to anoint David as the next king of Israel. Why? Because the first king of Israel, his name was Saul, you know, he was, you know, just a horrible king. He didn't listen to God. He didn't do what God wanted him to do. So he sent Samuel to Jesse's house so that he could anoint the next king. Now, he didn't know it was David. God didn't tell him, oh, by the way, uh, you want to pick out the son that his name is David. But no, so he walks in the door and he sees the first son of Jesse. Now, the first son of Jesse, his name was Eliab. And Eliab, you know, he was ripped, man. He was just, you know, he was built because the Bible says he was strong and had a, had a good appearance and everything. And so when Samuel walked in the door, he says, well, this must be God's anointed Now, he had already made a mistake like that because when he first raised up Saul as the first king, the Bible says that Saul was handsome, the most handsome man around, and that he was taller, head and shoulders above the rest. So who knows? He was 6'7", 6'8", you know, and and so he was good looking. And so, you know, Samuel fell under that like, well, he looks good like he fits the suit. So when he walked into Jesse's house and he saw Eliab, so yes, How can I help you, sir? You know, it's like, he's like, surely this is God's anointed. And right then on the spot, God speaks to the heart of Samuel the prophet says, do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature. That's what you did with Saul. He says, because God does not look on the outward like man looks on the outward, but God looks upon the heart. See, and nothing's changed in the world today, right? You don't see a bunch of ugly actors and actresses, right? I mean, you know, it's not like, oh, gee, that's the ugliest guy. What about the Hallmark movies? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, who's going to be the star of this movie? Oh, it's that ugly guy, you know, taking the trash out over there. No, it's always the best-looking guy with the chiseled chin. You know, he's got the guns. He's got everything. And then he's going to fall in love with who? The most beautiful girl that's in the movie. And that's just the way it always is because people look on the outside. But God says, I don't look on the outside. So you can't use that as an excuse for you. You know, you can't say, well, you know, God would never use me. I'm just, you know, Joe Average. I'm Miss, Mrs. Average. You know, God would never use me. No, that, that's absolutely not true. God will use you if you're willing to be used. Again, God is not looking for, you know, great ability. He's looking for availability. And that's what he's looking for in our life. So, yes, God doesn't look on the outside. He only looks on the inside. So then, you know, so Samuel's like, okay, sorry, Lord. Okay, you got any more sons? Yeah, I got this one right here. Uh, no. And let me line them up. He lines up seven of his sons and he's just going down the line like, no, no, definitely not. Don't even think about it. Uh, oh, for sure not. No. And he gets down. He's like, it's none of these. So he looks at Jesse and he says, Okay, I know God sent me here to anoint one of your sons to be the next king of Israel. And it's none of these guys. Do you have any more sons? Well, we got the runt. 
He's out in the field. He's tending the sheep. You know, and Samuel's like, you go get him right now. I'm not even going to sit down until he comes. And I mean, at that point, David could have been 12, 13 years old. You know, it's like an annoying junior hire. <laughs> you know, and he comes in and, and it's like, and God just says, that's the one. That's the one. Now we know that David was handsome. He ended up being just like the man's man because God made him that. But he wasn't that at the time. He didn't look like that. He was just a a gawky little junior high kid and he didn't look like that. Now he grew in to be a very handsome man and a man's man because God made him a mighty warrior. Remember the first thing that he did was he dropped Goliath like a bad habit, the nine foot six giant. You know, so again, but God made David David because he made him David. But anyway, you know, God doesn't want to play some hypocritical game and just raise up someone because they look like they fit the suit. See, Timothy was raised by a godly mother. He was raised by a godly grandmother. But let's not forget, he still had to embrace God for himself. You can't live on your parents' faith. You can't live on someone else's faith. You can't live on your best friend's faith. You have to come to faith yourself. And that he did. Listen to what Paul said about Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.15. He says, And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So he says, You've studied the scripture yourself, young man. And because of that, you're going to be able to lead other people to Christ because you have put your faith in Christ. Timothy was raised in the city of Lystra. He met Paul on Paul's first missionary journey. Paul had come through his city and preached the gospel. That's recorded in Acts chapter 14. Timothy was probably, again, at this time, about 15 years old. What a dramatic influence that the Apostle Paul must have had on this young man. For Paul not only led young Timothy to the Lord, he also took him under his arm. Paul even referred to young Timothy as his own son. We have no record of Paul actually being married himself, which would mean he had no blood son of his own. Yet look at how Paul refers to young Timothy in 1 Timothy 1-2. He says, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. And Paul, on his second missionary journey, he came back to Lystra and he took Timothy with him. Let's read what happened there in Acts chapter 16, picking up in verse 1. It says, and he... This is the apostle Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. That's where Timothy lived. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek or a Gentile. And he was well spoken of. Hmm, He's well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted this man to go with him and he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So he was uncircumcised on the first trip, but the second trip, now that he's already been, he's coming to the Lord, he's growing in his faith and everything. Now Paul's like, I'm going to take you with me. So I'm going to circumcise you. Notice in verse two, the Bible says that Timothy was well spoken of. That means the obvious. Timothy had a strong walk with the Lord that could be seen by all men. I wonder how those around you would describe you. Like, 
How would they describe you if we went to them and just said, hey, what do you think of this brother or this sister? You know, what would their words be about you? Maybe you wonder how in the world can you really live out your faith in this world that's lost its own conscience, in a culture that's embraced a godless mentality. You might think, well, how is that even possible? Well, know this, God has not spoken to humanity, you know, for over 400 years in between the Testaments. He didn't speak because the, the word was so wicked, okay? So think about the world that Timothy grew up in. He grew up in a world that God didn't even speak to them for 400 years in between Malachi and then when God was speaking and uh, predicting, uh, you know, John the Baptist being born. So then Jesus was born right after that, and he didn't start his ministry until 30 years later. Then he ministered for just three years. And though Jesus' ministry was, you know, uh, just for that very short time, but he only basically ministered to Jews with only a few exceptions. That means that Timothy and all that, they didn't get any of that ministry of Jesus. The only people that Jesus ministered to specifically outside of the Jews was a Samaritan woman in John chapter four. And then of course the centurion who asked Jesus to heal his servant. This to say, until Paul came through preaching the gospel, they had no idea that the Messiah savior was born that he lived, that he died and rose again from the dead for them. Also, so what do we know about Timothy? We know that he was probably born again on the wrong side of the social tracks, that he was an individual that didn't necessarily fit in since he was considered in that day a half-breed. I think all of us are multiple breeds now. I know that I've got so many different kinds of bloodline in me, and it's like, who knows what I am? I've got a little bit of everything in me. Yet because he devoted himself to the word of God, though, by listening to his mother and grandmother, he became a true disciple by submitting to the high call of God in his life. And because of that, he was able to fall under the leadership and the encouragement of the apostle Paul. Timothy became an incredible man of God. He wasn't disregarded or passed over at all because of his life. He submitted to all that God had for him. And because of that, here we are tonight. Think about it. 2,000 years later, And we're talking about Timothy. This is how much of an impact that this young man had. And we're still talking about him. I wonder if a freak accident were to happen to you, what would people say about you? And how long would people still be talking about you after you breathe your last breath? You know, people die all the time. So how long are people going to talk about Betty White? And what are they saying? How long are they going to talk about Sidney Poitier? He was an unbelievable actor, a man of great integrity. Uh, Bob Saget, you know, he was the guy from Full House, but then he got into comedy and he got real nasty and vulgar in his comedy. So, you know, what are people going to say about these people and how long will they talk? I guarantee you they're not going to be talking about them 2,000 years from now, okay? It's just like, so what will people say about you if you breathe your last breath? There was an Antarctic explorer in 1914 from London. His name was Sir Ernest Shackleton, and he needed men for an expedition. And this is how the advertisement in the newspaper read. It said, men wanted for a hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful. Honor and recognition in case of success. 
Wow, like, hey, yeah, let me sign up for that real quick. But believe it or not, thousands of men responded to it. Why? Because Sir Ernest Shackleton was a famous explorer. But there's one whose name is above all names, and he is from eternity ago, and he will live forevermore. He is the one who created all things seen and unseen, and his name is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, here's the point. I wonder what his advertisement, if he was to run one on Facebook ads or whatever, and what would it say? Maybe if it was on billboards here in Los Angeles, maybe it would look like this. Men and women wanted for the building of my church. You will often be misunderstood from those in the world, along with those working with you. You will face constant attacks from an invisible enemy that you cannot see. It may cost you everything you have, your home, your ambition, even your life. And finally, you might never see the result of your labor and your reward will not fully come until after your funeral. You ready to sign up? Amen. Some of you are. I wonder how many of us would. See, Timothy did. See, he signed up for that. And that's why we're talking about him 2,000 years later. That's all the time we have for this message. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Court Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Court Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Court Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at courtchurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.